0: Now it's time for the Renewable Energy Hour. Good evening, most of Mendocino County and some of southern Humboldt County and western Lake County and northern Sonoma County and Alex Aragon. My co-host, I'm Doug Livingston, and Alex Aragon is commuting via electrons and photons. Hello, Alex. How are you?
1: Hey, Doug. I'm doing well.
0: I I didn't even mention uh, again that this is the Renewable Energy Hour. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. (laughs) How are things up in Willis? You're doing us by zip
1: code now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Well, I've done Mendonesia for so long that... Figured out to change that up every now and then.
1: Uh, Well, I'm coming to you for nine five four eight two. So nine five four eight
0: two—that's Ukiah.
1: I'm sorry, nine five four nine zero.
0: There you go. There you go. That's the will. It's uh, and I can't even remember what the uh, Philo zip code is again. I'm I'm uh, oh let's see, it's nine five four six six, but I live in nine five four one five Boonville. But aren't you from
1: 44444? Four, 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 four,
0: four? <laughs> <laughs> What's that mean?
1: Isn't that an Ohio
0: zip code? Oh, yeah. I, 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 my childhood home was 44074 Oberlin, Ohio. Oh, okay.
1: Well, welcome to these parts, to the to nine zones.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of sad because we're preparing to sell my childhood home, which, oh. which has much sentimental. Value in our family, but none of my siblings are willing to take on that behemoth. Well, welcome to California with well, all of our complications. We have <laughs> there are complications here, which will be part of what our show is about tonight. great so I've been,
1: I've been having some frustrations trying to deal with some uh, issues we've been having here in California. You know we've got a lot of a lot of good uh, programs going on with our uh, emission standards and such. Uh, you know, it kind of blazed the way, but sometimes uh, sometimes it gets uh, sometimes it catches up with us and becomes a hassle. I've got some off grid people who've been wanting to get uh, some portable generators to use for their uh, places, and they've been having a hard time lately. Uh, I had a customer trying to find a Honda seven thousand EUIS generator. A uh, a gas-powered portable generator, seven thousand watt, and we can't get them. Um, they used to be available at uh, places here in town and uh, Willets, Willets uh, Power, and down in Ukiah at uh, Honda Motorsports uh, and Friedman's Friedman Brothers. They are not available. You cannot get them right now. Um, Willets Power was saying they ordered a bunch of them at the beginning of two thousand twenty-one, and. Uh, and they sold out of them all in October, and they cannot get more because the, they are no longer carbon compliant. Uh, California Air Resources Board has uh, said they're no longer compliant in the state,
0: and uh, they're is no that, longer available for sale. Is that because of a rule change or because they discovered they weren't meeting the standards and they thought they were before?
1: <laughs> so, I've, been trying, I've been trying to research it, and apparently uh, the rules had changed uh, for 2021. Uh, and Honda was going to come out with some new equipment, but they haven't yet. Uh, they've said, "Yeah, well, they're we're going to have uh, new carbon compliant uh, generators," but they have not done that. Uh, so they haven't been re- available yet uh, to those uh, retailers. I looked online, and Home Depot says they still have them available, but yeah, I trust that. Uh, called trust or, that. You know, found yeah. that true availability.
0: Um,
1: but uh. So yeah, it's uh,
0: difficult. That that's a shame because I think that's currently my favorite line of generators is the Honda EUIs. They're definitely they're pretty pricey uh, and, and my guess is the next generation that meets California CARB's going to be even more pricey.
1: Yeah, just a few years ago we were getting the 6500s, 6, uh 6500 watt generators for uh, you, if you can shop around, right, you can get them for less than 3000 Uh But now the EU 7,000 ISs are looking like, if they're available, they're up in the $5,000 range.
0: Yeah, that's been my experience, but uh, I do love them. Uh, my, I've been uh, aware of carb issues with them, but not for the gasoline version, but uh, many of my clients want to see them on propane. And there is a propane conversion, available for those models and uh and you had to in you had to go you had to have it installed by a certified shop in California and I think there were only like 5 of them and
1: uh what was the reason for wanting to go to propane?
0: Uh for off-gridders that's a pretty common desire so you don't have to keep adding gasoline and you you got a, you know, 200 or 500 gallon propane tank sitting on the property that you could plumb into it and uh, right. and you wouldn't have to.
1: Now, there are, uh, there are extended hey, we, um, we have someone, fuel tanks available. We have
0: someone calling in frantically, and I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they have a lead on where you can get them. Yeah, right that's now. right. All right. Let me uh, hit the right buttons. Oh, I was not quick enough. Hey, caller, call back if you've got some information specifically on where to get a Honda EUI or why they're not available.
1: Yeah, so uh, I was going to say, though, you can have uh, extended fuel tanks, or you can have larger fuel tanks, and uh, there's actually a system where you can draw fuel from a much larger tank into Mm -hmm. uh, those Hondas. Um, I've seen it done with uh, the small ones, like the 3,000 watts or the 2,000 watts. I've seen it done with the 7,000s also. So if you're looking for, you know, for uh, longer run times, because of fuel, you, you can do that with gasoline also, uh, and you know plays in ways that's actually a product that's been designed to do that, not just a kludge.
0: Right, right, okay. all right. Well, except with the, with the propane, it's all you know standard market stuff, and uh, but the problem was you had to go through one of California's certified Honda converters who would do that conversion. Yeah, for,
1: propane is certainly more convenient once you get it connected yeah. than moving yeah. gasoline it's around. It's so. a it's a little
0: cleaner too. Hey, I think that yeah. caller called back. Hello, caller. You're live on the yeah. Renewable Energy Hour.
2: Uh thank you for call, taking my call. Um, this is David at nine five four nine zero.
0: Yeah, we're, we're in zip code mode tonight.
2: Yeah, I, um, you know me slightly off topic, but uh, sort of on topic. Um I, I don't know about the availability of these wonderful generators. Uh, I do use them, and I, I think it's a great thing. But I wanted to talk again about nature's battery. Wood. Well, not only that, I've talked a lot about that. Certainly firewood is nature's battery. Hot water is nature's battery. And even those who are connected to the grid with a solar system can take advantage of that that peak output time and, and actually rather than selling the power back to the, the grid at, uh, you know, a questionable uh, economy there, they could be storing their energy from photovoltaic energy into their hot water systems in their house.
0: For a little while... Most people people only have a 40- or 80-gallon hot water tank. I believe
2: there's even an outdated uh, uh, code that calls for a very minimal size of hot water tank in a house. I think it's 60 gallons, and I would invite anybody who could comment on that. And and it seems like that if we we allowed ourselves to have larger storage capacity of hot water, then we could make better use of the sunshine while it shines and help to provide ourselves with a type of solar energy storage, solar energy, after the sun goes down. And I think that's really where we need to put our energy is to, what can we do when the sun is shining? And that is we can make hot water. We can, uh, uh, another thing is passive solar where, sun comes into your house during the day and heats up your house, you know, very low technology, if we can take advantage of that, I think that's very, very important. I, I don't mean to dominate the conversation here, but there's three types of, of nature's battery right there, uh, firewood, certainly, hot water, certainly, and passive solar energy that can heat your house while the sun is shining. I think that's a very important goal that we should stick with, is what can we do when it is sunny out there, whether it's cold sun or hot sun, what can we do to uh, get ourselves off of this uh, addiction to oil? Like even even George W. Bush said, Americans are addicted to oil.
0: And coal and natural gas and propane.
2: Yeah, same topic. yeah. yeah same, Energy. Uh, Yeah, all along the same lines there, that that fossil fuel. All right. Dirty burning. Anyway, I'm going to let you guys go. Great show. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Thanks, David. I've certainly been encouraging people to get bigger uh, tank-type water heaters. uh, If for nothing else, uh, the larger it is, the lower you can set your thermostat. And the lower the thermostat is, the more energy you save. But certainly, if you've got excess solar that you can pump into your to your water heater, the bigger the better.
1: Yeah, I keep wondering about uh, about you know thermal storage, uh, even if it's just you know from electricity. Uh, you know, you got the uh, idea of like the um, what is it the uh, the wood stoves and such that had a whole lot of thermal mass, you know, what are those called, like ceramic stoves? Oh
0: yeah, the, the oh shoot, I used to know the name uh, masonry? Yeah, masonry
1: stoves. Basically, you have a huge amount of thermal mass, and you heat it up with, you know, with, with, in the case with fire, you know, you'd light a fire in there, and it would heat up all the, oh. all the thermal was, mass.
0: It was key, you typically lit a really, really hot, high-rate burn fire in it, uh, which burns much more efficiently than a slow-burn fire, and burned oh. fairly briefly, and that heat slowly crept through all the masonry in the outside of the stove. And kept heating for yes. you know twelve hours later.
1: So I'm wondering how effective could it be to make electric-fired uh, stoves that use off-peak electricity to heat them, and then you know continue to warm through the thermal mass uh, later. It seems like that'd be a pretty easy. Uh, I, I you know,
0: pretty uh, easy technology to adopt. I'd call that a, a, a stone slab or something. It doesn't have to be a yeah. A, a, a heater, piece of furniture. It could be, you know, in the in the mud walls or or earthen slab or concrete slab or you know, all yeah. And if stuff.
1: it's heated with electricity, you don't have to worry about uh, you know about uh, fumes and uh, yeah. exhaust and or leaks, you know, yeah, that sort of thing. So
0: yeah, I did I I did a few uh, systems. got it's been twenty five years. years. Uh, with people who had wind turbines who had pretty significant excess power in the winter time from their wind turbines, they were in that part of the country and uh, and we set up the diversion load as a resistive heater in the in the slab.
1: Wow, so yeah, that's good use of power when you have it available.
0: And when it was overflowing, I mean with with wind turbines, you had to do a diversion control off-grid. Uh, where you had you know even if you didn't have a use for the energy and your batteries were full you still had to send the power somewhere you couldn't just turn it off like good with a solar panel charge controller and and so we yeah. and so you had to set up what they call a diversion load and sometimes, and for a lot of people it was just a heater out in the shed you know where it just got wasted
1: right hey i'd like to get back to generators here for a minute. <laughs> yes um,
0: we, we got diverted thanks david yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's an article here that I, that I found in a, on a site called RV Travel. So it's for, you know, recreational vehicles and people who want to go camping, gl- glamping. Uh, so here's a thing they put in. Uh, this is from uh, Saturday, December 5th, 2021. Uh, their story says, A seemingly innocuous air pollution proposal before the California legislature could ban the sale of portable generators in the state and have a crippling effect on RVers who rely on them to power their rigs when shore power is not available. According to the definition of the proposal, the ban could include the use of generators installed in most motorhomes and other motorized RVs. RVers who travel with trailers and fifth wheels would be unable to use portable generators. What is was confusing at that moment uh, if the bill... Is if the bill intends to ban the use of portable generators and/or the ban of sale of them beginning in 2024?
0: Yeah, my uh, my guess is that's going to be sale, and and since it's legislation that's still not passed,
1: it apparently uh, from the news I was reading, it sounds like it actually passed. Oh, uh, well, passed, this was a December like just a, December fifth. Oh, it yeah, just did. Was, All right. I did some more research on the news, supposedly passed. Uh, So, this is part of the rule that says, by uh, July 1st, 2022, a state board shall, consistent with federal law, adopt cost-effective and technologically feasible regulations to prohibit engine exhaust and evaporative emissions from new small off-road engines. From new, new, uh, new. From new small off-road engines, right? Meaning,
0: meaning if Uh, you already got one on your RV, your grandfather didn't.
1: Yeah, so you can be grandfathered in, but moving forward, you know, like if you're looking for a new generator to a portable generator, to hook up to your uh, power system. You might not be able to get them. Yeah. This is just this article is coming from the RVers' perspective, but yeah. you know you can read into other parts of it. This is just kind of the easiest, uh, most direct English uh, version of this story that I've been finding so far. Uh-huh. So everything
0: else is really what, legalistic. So what what distinguishes read. a portable generator from a from a non-portable generator?
1: Are well, talking about one that would be pad mounted that would be installed versus one that you could actually like have mm-hmm. on wheels move around? Yeah, move around. Uh, there was a uh, there was a horsepower uh, rating they referred to in some document I read, but I can't remember what that was. I think it was something like a I think it was something like uh, eighteen kilowatt or I don't remember. I'll, I'll, so I'll look, all all big
0: ones it. are pretty much or most big ones are. Non-portable. Yeah, they're not part of this, and almost all the small ones are portable.
1: I've yeah, this this, this bill uh, AB thirteen forty-six uh, was aimed mostly at like uh, garden equipment, like leaf blowers and uh, you know lawnmowers and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and they want those all to become electric.
0: They're also worrying about um, you know urban smog. Concentration oh, absolutely of, and and absolutely, which out in the middle of the sticks, you know this stuff dissipates so fast that it's absolutely insignificant,
1: yeah, the tricky thing though is that generators are lumped in with the leaf blowers and the lawnmowers mm-hmm. uh, you know a leaf blower a lawnmower, you can do that electrically with the equipment that's available now i mean you know there's there's cases where people have so much lawn or something like that they can't do it on a single battery charge you know? well. But you have what? more batteries, or you can do it in consecutive days, or whatever. So there are workarounds with that. But as far as you know, off-grid power users, off-grid you know residents, uh, not being able to have a portable generator, uh, not being able to get one, to be able to run with your battery power system, can be really it's a big change. Uh, I don't really know how I'd handle that if I was not able to get portable generators for some of my clients right yeah, now.
0: Yeah. Well, when to go into effect? Uh, 2022, do you say? 2024. is when
1: it begins to go into effect. Uh, yeah, by July 1st, 2022.
0: Heads up, Um, people, if if your generator is on its uh, last leg and you've got a small portable generator and you can't afford a big stationary generator, you might want to go out and find one. They may be hard to find, though.
1: Yeah. They also say those regulations shall apply to engines produced on or after January 1st of 2024 or as soon as the state board determines it is feasible, whichever is later. So. There's some different uh,
0: dates oh. they're putting in there the, the way it's written here. A a, li- um, a little ambiguous.
1: Yeah, definitely uh definitely ambiguous, uh definitely concerning. Um uh but definitely yeah, I can see why uh they're trying to do this, uh apparently by some of the other reading I was doing, uh, the uh emissions from these type of engines, the small you know, the small uh off road off off-road type engines is uh, a real major com- contributor to pollutants. Uh, no, Not like up there with. Uh, sm- go ahead. Go ahead, bud.
0: That was a go very ahead. strange
1: breakup. I gonna say,
2: yeah,
1: I was going to say it's it's up there near uh, near like what they're saying is the issues with small passenger vehicles, but I can't imagine it you that big. Uh, Maybe well, because it's, these it's, smaller uh, engines are so regulated.
0: They're yeah, they're not talking about CO two emissions. The, those are pretty small from these beasts, but they are much more polluting on a long list of other, uh, you know, potentially you know smog inducing and 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 polyaromatic hydrocarbons and those sorts of things that are that are health issues. And in large concentrations in urban areas, it's pretty significant, but those particular things I'm not too worried about out in out in the uh, the two people per square mile regions of Mendocino county
1: yeah it's also possible that uh, this other case uh, may have changed uh, Honda's uh, deal with carb um, this uh, this is a letter from the California Air Resources Board uh, dated December 6 2021 couple days ago uh says the California Resources Board reached a settlement agreement with uh, American Honda Motor Corporation uh, for $6.9 million for violations of CARB's air quality regulations. This is the second enforcement against Honda in the past two years. Uh, so what it says is that uh, CARB's uh, testing uh, that they're requiring for uh, the small off-road engines, the S-O-R-E, the SOARs, <laughs> for the SOAR engines uh, – did not meet CARB's evaporative emissions standards. So, Honda was uh, putting out engines that did not pass CARB emissions and carbs sued them over it and they had to settle for uh, $6.9 million. And I wondered if that was affecting uh, some of the sales of the generators, too. So, we might actually see this settle out and have some generators from Honda available again. I know there are other brands of generators available in California right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, so, it's just you know <laughs> this is this is the mess I'm talking about, and it's hard to figure out sometimes you know uh i like to I like to be green, of course, I like to make it so we're not polluting things, but also you know there's some some uh, practicality that I like to be able to operate with as a provider of power for
0: remote homes, yeah, certainly the so, good people share yes. about this. I expect most yeah. of the uh, utility backup generators aren't uh, considered portable, right?
1: They aren't, but also, uh, Carb uh, Cal- you know, California Resources Board has uh, special exemptions for um, for their generator rules for uh, the PSPS events. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different uh, legislation that's made it so that uh, actually, it's kind of kind of a free for all. You're allowed to use. Uh, all, you know big generators all kinds of different stuff which are there's some situations where you might not be allowed to use them without special uh permits and stuff like that in other cases but you can use uh most uh generators in p s p s situations even if they've been uh even if you've been regulated out in other ways for other reasons they have emergency emergency
0: rules for them hmm <laughs> I wonder if we get exceptions for off-grid homes. Yeah. So there's these uh, things they are called
1: ZEEs that the, the uh, SB1346 wants to replace uh, portable generators with. The zero emissions equipment. And,
0: uh, <laughs> so we're going to have a battery-powered that. generator to charge our household batteries? <laughs>
1: yeah that's that's a great idea. That's like having the uh the fan that blows the wind generator that then turns on the fan right
0: <laughs> yeah well, clearly, the legislatures don't realize that there are a significant number of people in California who are off the grid and cannot plug into the grid right oh we right. have we actually have another person calling in. We haven't opened up the lines yeah. yet, but hey we're we're flexible. Let's see if they've got something pertinent. Hello, Cal. You're live on the air.
3: Oh, cool. Thanks for taking my call. My question is, um, for us or for the people who are living off-grid, I thought that a lot of the new vehicles came with little three-cylinder generators built inside of them. So is that portable or not if it's inside a vehicle? And isn't it integrated? Wouldn't it be integrated with your ho- home to turn on um, when you need it? So if you are in town and you get fuel and then you drive your vehicle home, don't some of the new Hondas already, um, as long as they're not in the garage, I don't know if they know or not. But anyways, that's my question. So, right.
0: um, I, uh, you're, okay. you, I expect he's talking about hybrid vehicles. Uh,
1: yeah, I'd possibly like the new trucks that Ford's been making that are supposed to also be you know,
0: generators. Uh, not been making, but going to be making. Right, going well, not product, not, stuff. not released yet, but oh, uh, you know, they have full blown you know inverters and batteries and and whatnot in them. But uh, but a hybrid, you know, typically does have a have a generator on board, and I expect they have a special category for uh, vehicles.
1: Yeah, so it is, uh, it our, is a portable generator.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There
1: you go. I'm going to drive we, my portable generator today. They
0: just outlawed the Prius, without realizing it. Oh, there you go.
1: We, I, I have a feeling that's more than the horsepower rating that they were talking about for portables, though. So.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, so it's probably a a size issue that they're above. Yes. So you you can be out of the rules if you're big, but if you're small, you have extra special rules that just seems backwards right but they have pretty stiff emissions requirements on all cars so they may already be passing the emissions rules
1: yeah that's what I was thinking that's what I was wondering if uh that's the case so uh yeah the uh I just found more information about the uh, the exemptions for uh for PSPS events, the power safety, public safety power shutoffs—is that what it stands for? Is that the word?
0: Um, public safety power shutoffs. That may PSPS. be it. Yeah, that may be
1: it. I think so. You know, off grader I don't deal with a whole lot of that myself, but
0: the lights stay on even during a PSPS. Yes. But uh, <coughs> what was your? PSPS related
1: issues. I, I was just going to say that uh, one of the uh, biggest um, one of the biggest issues I've had for PSPS systems is uh, dealing with sleep apnea machines. Mm. Uh, the the really small portable ZEE the zero emission equipment uh, devices that I've seen that are you know ready for consumers you usually can't do a uh, a sleep apnea machine all night long. Really, usually. You have to have pretty pretty big equipment to be able to do that. You know, many thousands of dollars worth, or else uh, have a portable generator to do it. So I have a feeling that people might be able to get a medical exemption if that was was the case.
0: We'll see if that's in the rules. Often legislatures don't uh, think all these things through before passing stuff and then have to change it after the fact, after they hear a specific... uh, Group of people with viable outcry.
1: Yeah, and then there's all the spin that they get. I mean, it must be so hard to to take in good information and find good information if it's not something you have personal knowledge of. If you're a legislator,
0: you know, and if you're not, like, uh, if you're not talking to your to your voters. Well, even if you are, because I mean, you know.
1: When when someone comes up to you, and you don't know them. They're, they claim to be a voter. Used <laughs> to say they on her shell for a power company or something.
0: Yeah, know? and and what percentage of us are actually off grid in California? It's probably about two percent or lower. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but we're so important. <laughs> it's it's probably like twenty percent in Mendocino County, but two percent statewide or something. Yeah. So, so generators are hard to get for various legal reasons. You've also been having other supply chain problems that you've reported on before, but are still bad.
1: Yeah, batteries. Oh my gosh, um, I'm working on uh, working on three weeks now to just trying to get a set of L16 batteries. And uh, for a while, I was doing the calling myself. And and I uh, got hooked up with uh, Alt-E, um, and I've had their guy uh, chasing them around. I actually paid for them already, and he's going to get some delivered from MK from out east. Uh, they're coming from Pennsylvania. And oh my so, word. yeah, we'll be there in like five days or something. And, uh, well, that was a couple weeks ago now. And they uh,
0: keep on... Keep on delaying when they say they're going to ship the same thing. So is it, well, it a man I gave up on them? Is so. it a manufacturing issue? What's that? Is it a manufacturing issue or is it a shipping issue? Uh,
1: well, it sounds like it's a shipping issue, but I, what it sounds what it sounds like is that this is this is my interpretation is that there the, there's not a whole lot of product available, so there is a manufacturing issue. Uh, uh, it sounds like it might be actually. Kind of getting commodity priced in some cases, uh, where um, where some of the some of the ordering is, uh, some of the orders are going other places because it's more profitable to send them other places. But oh. that's just a that's just a guess. It's kind of weird when you have somebody say oh yeah we can ship that to you okay send us the money and you do all that and then they say oh I'm sorry we can't and uh, oh we'll uh, let you know when we can ship it oh and we can't ship it until at least uh, January and oh batteries we need batteries now um, this is it's, it doesn't make any sense you
0: know uh, so but, you think bidding bidding wars or taking the orders out from underneath people who bought them at the normal price I'm suspicious of that. I don't have any, uh, I don't have any evidence of it, but, it's, yeah, it's
1: starting to feel like that when, when things start to go where you're being promised, oh yeah, we have them here and we can ship them out tomorrow or, and it come, becomes next week and then the week after that. It makes you wonder where, uh, that stuff actually is. It doesn't, you know, it's not, doesn't do them any good to have it sitting just on the shelf somewhere. Uh, it's a truly, uh, you know, a transportation issue what is it what is it there's a whole bunch of different things that yeah just don't it doesn't pass the smell test
0: <laughs> well people aren't being honest about it anyhow but i expect it's a combination of all of the above that there's manufacturing shortages because of supply shortages to the manufacturer labor shortages to the manufacturer and then there are shipping issues and then there are bidding wars that are stealing the product that was already committed to you because it got sold at a higher price if they could get it there in such and such a time. I expect all the right, above. Right. I've also been starting yeah. to see evidence of a shortage of solar panels. You you said yeah. you you haven't been no. seeing that so much, but uh, but I'm seeing that in the news. I'm seeing that from a couple of suppliers that... You know, the quantities available and the, the variety of models available has been getting reduced. Uh, you know, free shipping offers on above such and such a number of panels have disappeared and, and all sorts of indications that, that they're, yeah, they're in charge. usually to.
1: notice that it starts to happen when uh, the largest panels become unavailable first. You know, the ones that have the, the most cost efficacy by uh, being able to... You have a large panel. When you have one large panel, it's like a you know 400 watt panel. It's you can mount that with you know just a few pieces of equipment. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to put that in cost per watt than it is to put in you know two that are half the size. So I notice that the biggest panels become uh, scarce first. And then you're able to get like uh, the, you know the ones that are 80 percent as big as what the biggest ones are are still available. And they, they keep on getting smaller. So <laughs> are we down to the hundred waters now? Or no,
0: no, uh, those are still. Twice the price per watt. Yeah. I think just because they're not manufactured in the volume, those are typically 12-volt panels. And, you know, I know lots of suppliers who no longer carry 12-volt panels, which hurts the small, old-school off-grid not to have such Yeah, a yeah. Ball.
1: Those, those the small 12-volt panels are... Uh, <laughs> they're... Twice the price now. And I've, I've seen some of those where they're actually as expensive as panels that were three times the power.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we have we have rambled quite a bit, and we've had a few phone calls, but I'd like to officially invite people to join the conversation of things we've been talking about or anything related to the renewable energy world. I'm here taking your call in the Philo Studios at eight nine five. Uh, 2448 um, 2448 yeah i have a momentary pause and like wait a minute i'm about to give the uh the pledge drive number or something 8952448 four, four, eight if you've got a a renewable energy related issue and and otherwise we'll ramble away the remaining 24 minutes until Jamie Roberts comes in yeah um <laughs> yeah we had uh, I've got Oh, uh, you were talking about large panels, and that made me think of an issue that came up. Uh, I had a client pulling a building permit here in Ukiah, and they were using the California Standard uh, Permit Application Form, and I'll get back to this issue if callers don't continue to rescue me, but we've got a call. Ooh, very noisy call. Um, you've got I, a you've got a ground problem on your phone system.
4: Probably.
0: <laughs> uh, we can barely hear no. you.
4: Uh, can you hear me okay?
0: Not really. Uh-oh. I, uh oh. Um, I, I mean, there's this huge buzz in the background that's going crazy. Are you standing near some electrical equipment like an inverter?
4: No, I'm. I just got a new phone and
0: it, it's not grounded. Is my guess.
4: How do you ground
0: it? <laughs> uh, is it plugged into a? Is it is it a a portable phone or a?
4: No, it's a landline.
0: It's a landline. Um, Ooh, wow! It's it's getting quieter. So have well, you, have you let moved?
4: me ask my question. Okay, and then shoot. I'll, then I'll hang up. All and right. I don't. I just tuned in, so I don't know if you've talked about hemp batteries. Do they really exist, and are they? A marketable is that something that might be coming down the line <laughs> I, I
0: I I have no idea Alex have you ever heard of a hemp battery a Hemp battery no, I <laughs> don't haven't. don't know what you mean wow. by that uh, so my guess is no they don't exist but maybe somebody else has has a clue what what you're there's talking where where did you hear bat- about well,
4: it Well if you go if you google it um there's some evidence that when you cook it down, cook down the bark or the um, stiff material, it makes some kind of um, a product that's able to hold a charge.
0: <laughs> huh. Never heard of that.
4: Okay. Well, that was just my question. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks. Bye-bye. We that need- sounds
1: like a solution for Mendocino off-grid. <laughs> there
0: you go. A hemp battery. Uh, I was thinking maybe it was uh, just people talking about the store. Uh, as as our first caller, David was talking about you know, uh, wood is effectively a a solar battery, and and certainly all plants are. And hemp is a profuse grower, so it's it yields a huge amount of cellulose per acre per year. And cellulose is a pretty serious battery, so to speak. It's not an electrical battery, but it is a chemical energy storage mechanism.
1: Well, I fired up the Google machine and looked them up, and there's definitely some interesting stuff about the batteries.
0: Is it all off the wall? Is there anything serious there?
1: Uh, what are hemp batteries? Uh, research has shown that hemp batteries offer an exciting option for battery power. Basically, without getting too technical, hemp batteries are hemp sheets that are made into supercapacitors. Huh. While the word might sound a little technical, it just means that these little babies are as good as, if not, better than standard batteries. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Um People make them from bio-waste of the hemp plant. That makes these energy cells sustainable and ethical. Right, we got to dig into this before we, I can read this. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> we
0: would like to see some numbers, please. Uh, yeah, I, please I can imagine that. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, supercapacities are hard to do. Capacitors are easier to do. But my guess is they're leaky as hell, so they wouldn't keep the, the charge stored for more than a few minutes. Uh, but I'm just guessing. I don't know anything about it.
1: Yeah, who knows?
0: Well, we'll let uh, you. We'll I... let you do the research. You're already on it.
1: Yeah, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> Really, an interesting little rabbit hole to dive down. So has, has
0: anyone well, ever actually anymore. made one and tested it out and shown its numbers? How efficient is it? How uh, expensive is it? How long can it store a charge? Hello, Collier. You're live on the air
3: yeah I just wanted to um, I was looking at some speaking of youtube videos i I found a video that was talking about some really interesting wind generators. one that looks like a it's amazing a vi basically like a vibrating column and there's some other really amazing new wind technology coming out. and um also uh, I was seeing some really cool things about uh, gravity batteries. And I wondered if you could talk uh, at all about some of the uh, amazing new wind technology and also gravity batteries and why they're so important. And, you know, using old wells as gravity batteries. Um, old old and wells? Fun. Yeah, old well, basically the idea of a gravity battery is for storage purposes. Because um, during the day, obviously, you can generate Um, energy from a solar, solar, right? And so what a gravity battery does is it takes some of the excess energy and uses it... Can you hear me? Yep, yep. Yeah, it uses it to uh, lift like a crane. Like if if you had an old well or old mining shaft, you have a large, giant, really heavy piece of cement, basically, on a chain. Mm -hmm. And then you use that energy to bring that uh, large piece of cement... Up the the shaft, and then at night when you don't have the energy, it's about to use that energy, that stored energy, kinetic energy, mm-hmm. and you drop the weight, and that that can then can power a generator or whatever we, you need. We, we've been doing
0: a, we've been doing that for that centuries. That's my grandma's yeah, cuckoo car. Yep, I'm thinking of you know the my grandfather's clock or uh, uh, well, right, we also we favorite? also do a similar idea with uh, what what's called in the industry pumped storage where you uh, pump from the river back up into the reservoir with excess power during the day and uh, and with hydropower generate power at night the downside is that the efficiency of the system is fairly low
3: mm. well what, what I found interesting well, is they were talking about these uh, gravity batteries that were used, they're, they're making them. I'm trying to remember um, which country is developing this. I, um, I should have looked it up. Before I well, called, I was it's, driving. It's not back. new.
0: It's Nobody's developing it. It's not new.
3: No, no. What I'm saying is they, that They they're might be sure. making it what more efficient. Yeah. The gravity battery that they are developing, it is enormous. And it basically, um, anyway, uh, I know the technology may not be new, but what I'm saying is, is that they're, they're putting this into uh, more widespread use, and especially using cement and um, either old wells or using, uh, actually building a structure.
0: Yeah, vertical mine shaft. I'd never thought of that. you got a long range there.
3: Right. So the, the whole idea behind it uh, being used now, especially not using, in places that don't have a lot of water. If you don't have a lot of places mm-hmm. that to store water, then you can use that older technique. But, um... I, I just uh, wanted to know if you could talk uh, anything about that or any of the new wind generation. It's pretty cool.
0: Well, uh, uh, what new wind generation? I don't know about the vibrating one. Um,
3: okay, okay. I I will. I should look. I should have looked it up before I I am right.
0: I'm I'm a little nervous on the wind because people are always coming up with exotic, funky looking wind turbines, and uh, when you crunch the numbers, they usually you know are far worse than than your regular old right.
3: three blade turbine. Right. Um, this is working off of, um, I'm not a physicist, but it, uh, the, the vibrations, you know, when, uh, how they design bridges so that when certain wind comes in, they don't like fall down because they, they, they get the The resonance. Yeah. So these are set up intentionally
0: to allow the resonance.
3: Exactly. And so they, they look like tall columns. Uh, uh, they're very phallic looking actually. Uh, and they, uh, you know, these tall columns of a couple, like a couple meters high, and um, they vibrate and they get, they, they're designed to pick up on the resonant frequency and and um, align with it, basically. And uh, they're not as efficient as your classic wind tarp turbine. However, because they are vibrating, um, they they don't take up the same area, because you know of the, the the wingspan, as you could you might think, the rotating wingspan, uh-huh. so you can actually get more in the same area.
0: Oh, I expect I expect neighbors interfere with each other, though.
3: Right. I I'm, I was thinking at that same thing when I was looking at it. Like there there's you're definitely going to have to have a certain amount of space because mm-hmm. just like you know when swimmers are swimming and you they create that drag. You can you can line up and get behind them. There's uh, going to be a like that, you know. That,
0: that was one of the mistakes they made at one of the world's earliest uh, experimental wind farms in Altamont Pass in the East Bay. Was a whole bunch of the wind turbines were in the wind shadow of other turbines and were huge maintenance problems or low productivity problems. Right. Uh, um,
3: but it just uh, it seems like there's a lot of. Um, Really interesting, new, and cool. The other thing that I really think that we should be talking about and developing more of is, uh, it's not tapped, is Tidal uh, Electrical Generation. Tidal,
0: Tidal or Wave?
3: Wave. Well, well there's Tidal. There's title, there's, that's right. There's two different ones. I was mainly thinking of Wave, um, wave I, generation. I think
0: Wave is far more universally available. Tidal's relatively right. rare, rare places where it is you know highly viable and it's also tends to be in places where five different ecosystems are coming together for example the golden gate right underneath golden gate bridge would be one of the prime tidal spots yeah. on it's the prime tidal spots on the west coast of no, all of north america um...
3: There, there's wanted... another
0: one there's a minor one in San Diego and there's a minor one in Humboldt that's about it oh, cool. right but waves are everywhere but
3: I think that people should should be talking about though is I really feel like we are at this crux point now where we need to start talking about uh, preservation of what like <laughs> things that humans and the, the species that we can uh, keep alive, um, and get through now. Uh, uh, focusing too much on on uh, a species of birds that might die from wind turbines, or or whatnot, uh, compared to like the amount that die from actual your cat. Okay, millions mm-hmm. uh, of birds die <laughs> from cats.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, so, there's there's, there's yeah. I think it's you know. Couple thousand a year from wind turbines, something like twenty million a year from cats. Although the problem, the problem is with wind turbines, it tends to be small population exotic raptors, which you know you can't uh, right,
3: but compared to a
0: songbird, that's easier to replace.
3: There won't be any raptors. No. There won't be anything. Well, and and that was that was one of my
0: arguments. Uh, what. 10 years ago when mendocino county chased away the experimental wave generators off the coast Uh, people were worried about you know whales getting entangled in their moorings and things like that and i'm thinking about the whales are going to be dying because the oceans are going to die because they're all going to go acidic and be the wrong temperature and we're starting to see that now
3: and, and one of the things I was talking with my brother, John, about that actually this very today is that like he was a biologist. You know, we both went to Sonoma State University when there was a time when you went, as when you were getting your degree. You know, you learned about ecology and you learned also about, you know, molecular biology. But you had a more of a, a global look on how things uh, the chain reactions of things. And I think that we really lost critical thinking he, on the left, on the right we've lost this ability to go okay let's look at all of our solutions we need to be really super creative we need to really think about we need more reservoirs i mean (laughs) anyway i'm taking up a lot of your guys' time i'm sure there's someone who's no no worries
0: it's been interesting and uh, but i'm always going to come back to we got to crunch the numbers and 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 see how viable that is. Uh, I'm I'm a little nervous about your vibrating wind turbines.
3: <laughs> yeah, I am a little nervous about that as well. But uh, you should look into it. It looks pretty cool. All
0: right, thanks. We'll check it out. Thanks for the call. Hey,
1: so regarding these uh, gravity batteries, uh, the term is lifted weight storage. Is are calling it? There's a Swiss company called Energy Vault has been working on developing large-scale gravity batteries. The gravity batteries they're working with on developing is an energy storage tower built from concrete blocks. 120-meter cranes use excess energy from the electrical grid to lift and stack concrete blocks, each weighing 32 metric tons. Energy is retrieved when the bricks are lowered to generate energy by turning a generator. One commercial unit can store twenty megawatt hours of energy or enough to power twenty uh, two thousand Swiss homes per day. uh they're talking about uh having round trip efficiencies of uh the range of eighty five percent
0: Wow, that's higher than I would, so I, really I would have guessed I would have guessed I would guess sixty percent yeah but uh and and twenty megawatt a hours, that's working big. On it too. and what's the cost of one of these twenty megawatt hour batteries?
1: Oh, well,
0: who knows? The there's master. a number that's key to know too. But
1: and wh- how much? Actually, the it solar it, panels cost? it, it, it shouldn't
0: on. it shouldn't cost that much. It's not that exotic of technology, so it's more. Do but, you have do you have the so, room and 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 the vertical relief to make it practical?
1: Right. There's a company in Portland, Oregon, that's developing this too. Uh, Cascadia Carbon Incorporated. Uh, they're working on developing uh, potential energy battery for renewable uh, grid stability in conjunction with the University of British Columbia. Their pilot program aims to provide a commercial proof of concept which can be expanded to accommodate the gigawatts of new solar and wind storage which will be coming online over the next decade, blah, blah, blah. Well,
0: and so I, there are, and there I is some practicality to this. Like, well, I'm, I'm still questioning the 85%. I mean... That's a really, yeah. really good motor all by itself. Is eighty five percent efficient, good, nice. and that's just the up yeah. trip. And then you've got the generator on the down trip, which similarly, a really, really good generator is about eighty five percent. So they must have miracle motors and generators, and we should be hiring those out for other purposes as well. Anyhow, right. here's another so, call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Uh,
2: uh, double Oh, uh, David's effect. back. I added number five to storage, and that is uh, those of us who pump water and want to use solar power to do it should pump our water when the sun is shining up to a gravity tank.
0: gravity-feed tank instead of no, relying no, no. No, on no. chemical and storage. We
2: are utilizing power when it is most abundant, and I think not too long ago we were trying to avoid those peak times now If we have enough solar to do that, we should encourage people to use those peak times because there's enough solar while the sun is shining. So um, it's just another way, and and hopefully this weekend and uh, Monday and Tuesday we're going to see how much water we really have. We should be storing that when water is at abundant. I I sort of call it the, the super lotto of watery water that we have here in Mendocino County that's going to happen during these peak rainy seasons and if we can store it and use it for an abundance of different reasons during the summer then we are utilizing nature at its best. All right. Uh, the other thing is these these high, high, high mass solar, no I'm sorry not solar but uh, Ma- in- wood fired.
0: Masonry wood stoves?
2: Yeah, I would avoid them with all costs. You're better off getting a modern wood stove with a glass door and insert. How
0: come it. they've got good storage in them?
2: And no, no, they're very they're they are uh, super. Uh,
0: they're slow.
2: Uh, no, they're they very uh, high emissions, and they 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 create creosote and chimney fires. And oh, I probably do have
0: some. Cost. They do have some serious not, condensation.
2: Not the house itself can store energy. There's a lot of ma- thermal mass inside the house, uh, and do avoid any of that thermal, the uh, huge thermal mass, high expensive stoves that require foundation. Yeah, they,
0: so I so remember they were pricey.
2: Very pricey. It's better off just to get a modern wood stove and, and uh, use that to heat your house.
0: All right. Thanks, David. Good night. Night. We're coming right, down later. to the line. We might have time for another call. Eight nine five two four four eight. Lines are open. Um, yeah, my- yeah, I was thinking about using the
1: masonry stove in conjunction with electricity, though. So rather than actually a wood-fired version of that,
0: ah, an electrical. Store well, power. that's just thermal mass. That's why I was saying. You know, it sounds like your your earthen slab or your cement slab. But we have another call. Hello, yeah, caller. You're, you're you live on the air. It. Okay.
5: Yeah, hi. Um, I beg to differ on the masonry wood stove. Uh,
0: I was I thinking of people, you as he said I that. People, <laughs> I know some people who
5: have one, and they they have a a, um, a, a log home, very well insulated, with uh, tile and slate floors. They can absorb and hold a lot of... Uh, energy, and they they only, even in the coldest of winter, and they live in a much colder climate than here, even in the coldest of winter, they only have to fire it up every two days, and they've had this for like 30 years, you know, never an issue with, it with, and you hardly, the fire, it burns so hot.
0: Yeah, that's what that, I was remembering, it was a that, really hot fire, there, so it's complete combustion yeah. and...
5: Exactly, exactly. You see hardly any smoke coming out. And you know, the reason, the reason they know that is because, you know, they live, they live close to other people, you know, as is the case in most of Europe. And, you know, they'd hear from their neighbors if they put out a lot of smoke because most people don't heat with wood there. So, um, so yeah, I think masonry stoves are very expensive to install, but, you know, you get that back over the lifetime of the, of the stove in terms right. of how little wood you have to use to heat a, a whole three-story house is what they're doing And do
0: you, do you remember, um, uh, did they have a standard uh, a chimney or was it a, a high-mass chimney?
5: Um,
0: because I don't
5: know. But because I
0: was I think thinking when he, when he said that, that, you know, if you had a high-mass chimney, that would tend to cause creosote condensation on the way up the flue. But if you had a a more standard high temperature chimney then that that wouldn't be an issue.
5: But I do know that the that the chimney pipe has to sort of meander its way through the stove before it goes up. Uh, uh, you know, maybe that that's where the whole, the whole
0: maybe that's the whole where the creosote idea. is happening that he's talking about. Yeah,
5: okay, but but that could be also because some people just don't know how to do those. You yeah, know, it takes a yeah. special skill. Um, and and years of experience to do it, right? But anyway, and then the other thing is, uh, you know, in in a lot of parts of the world, people have lived with wind turbines a lot longer than, than we have here. Most of people here have never lived next to a wind turbine. And uh, at least not a large one; those huge ones, you know, the commercial ones. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's that's where the 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 energy to develop alternatives comes from. Because you know, if you have to live near one of those huge things, which is you know, a a lot of people living in smaller towns in Europe have to live next to those. You know, then there's there's some resistance forming against those, and that's why you know things that don't use large blades and don't make humming noises, et cetera, et cetera, are going to be in demand. So.
0: All right. Thanks for the call. All
5: right. We're mm-hmm. in the last
0: minute now. We're in the last minute. Thank you. it was anyway. another familiar voice who I knew had talked about masonry stoves before. Um, anyhow, we're coming down to the wire. Uh, we'll be stepping out here in less than a minute, and Jamie Roberts is in the house. I know he's got something fun planned for tonight. What are you doing tonight, Jamie? Um, I've got a couple of great stories,
4: uh, bears tonight, lots
0: of bears. <laughs> lots of bears, so if you're Ooh. ready for the 3,000 bears, not just the three bears, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it'll be coming right up. And Alex and I will be back in uh, two weeks. You've been listening to the Renewable Energy Hour. I'm Doug Livingston, and this was Alex Aragon, my co-host on the line.